Greetings and thank you for tuning in to Cresta in the Afternoon, a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and heard around the world on all of these radio stations that you're, well, the one that you're listening to now or Sirius XM Channel 130 or many other means that you can listen to the program and I am grateful that you are. I'm Jerry Usher in for Al Cresta. As we enter our final segment today, we're going to have a conversation about uh, the religious liberty stories that uh, should be uh, we should keep an eye on here in the uh, new year of 2022 and by the end of this current term, the Supreme court will have made historic decisions about the scope of religious freedom in America. Uh, It will have to settle disputes uh, relating to things like uh, state school choice, prayers said inside the execution chamber, and abortion in Mississippi. And here to help uh, sort a lot of this out for us is Andrea Picotti-Bayer. She is a legal analyst for EWTN News. Andrea, it's great to have you with us on the program. Welcome. Hi, Jerry. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's a little, you know, overwhelming to be hitting cleanup. (laughs) <laughs> well, I know you're up to it. You know, um, I, I really believe that you are. And uh, I'm, I'm just glad that we're able to shine a light on some of the, the cases and, and things that are unfolding around the country, because um, it just seems like the heat is being turned up in, in terms of, you know, attacks on religious liberty and so forth, which really, when you get right down to what this country was, was founded on. Uh, so I, look, I think where, where we might want to start is, you know, when we think of, of this new year, 2022, at the Supreme Court, um, we're probably thinking uh, the, the highest profile uh, case that they're they're probably going to you know discuss and, and decide on is Dobbs versus Jackson. What uh, you know, talk a little bit about that and where you see that, where it stands right now, and where you know where you, how you see that unfolding. Well, th- you're absolutely right. That's the case of the term, um, and it's really going to be a chance for the Supreme Court to reconsider whether its abortion jurisprudence is. Um, consistent with the Constitution and with uh, the Constitution as written. Um, I think that there are a lot of people um, thinking that never before has there been a Supreme Court so committed to the original um, meaning of the Constitution as is currently constituted. Um, And it's a great opportunity to look back on Roe and Casey, those two really important um, cases in which the Supreme Court crafted uh, a constitutional right to abortion, um, and and re kind of go back to first principles, um, and and there's an issue. You know, people question whether um, it's right to send it back to the states, the regulation of abortion. But I do think that um, the closer we get to kind of the local issues, the more um, our our elected officials can respond to what people really think is good for um, the community as opposed to taking this issue that's so sensitive um, out of the hands of of the people and and putting in the hands of of the court. So I think you're absolutely right. And from the religious freedom perspective, we've seen time and time again, religious freedom conflicts come up in the issue of life, whether it's... um, people that want to speak out against abortion and promote life um, at pregnancy resource centers in California or uh, doctors and nurses that don't want to use their talents to end um, innocent life and having to assert their conscience rights, their religious freedom rights. Or the best case um, that we can remember recently was the beautiful Little Sisters of the Poor, who did not want to have in their employee insurance plans 
um, contraceptives that had abortifacient um, consequences to them. So, you know, taking this out of the, the constitutional realm and putting it at the state level is probably the best way to um, address these issues and to protect life. Hmm. Well, and on that note, Andrea, we, we see so many, uh, you know, important issues that, that, you know, that the Supreme Court, you know, won't take on or the federal government says, you know, oh, we would leave that to this. Those should be decided by the states, you know, and so forth. And yet when it comes to certain things like this, um, you know, states that want to try to pass laws protecting human life and, and, you know, m- you know, morality and so forth, it always seems like those get, kind of shut down. I mean, it's, it's not, it's just almost like a double standard sometimes. It seems that way to me anyway. You know, and I think you're right, Jerry. Um, it's a perfect observation. And Justice Clarence Thomas, who is one of my favorite sitting justices right now, he has continued to speak against what he says is, you know, a jurisprudence off the rails. Um, and I often say that, you know, abortion rights have become kind of an uber constitutional right that doesn't Exactly. It's not specifically mentioned in the Constitution at all. So it, it does uh, present itself, the Dobbs case presents itself with an opportunity to reset our jurisprudence that um, if something's listed in the Constitution, it's a federally protected constitutional right. And otherwise, it's left to the states to regulate, to um, you know use this beautiful democratic processes that we have to make sure that in the case of, of the unborn and for women's health, um, states like Mississippi, Texas can all be able to enact the laws that the people that are voting for them want them to enact. You're tuned into Cresta in the afternoon. I'm Jerry Usher in for Al today, and we're talking with Andrea Picotti Bayer. She is a legal analyst for EWTN News. Just kind of looking at the religious liberty landscape as we enter a new year here. And um, unfortunately, uh, Andrea, there are many other cases that are, you know, worthy of our at least a brief uh, attention in our discussion here. One being in St. Louis, um, where, um, you know, religious health care providers and institutions, uh, you know, they object to the Biden administration's mandate that they be, um, you know, must perform or provide insurance coverage for gender transition procedures. Give us a sense of, you know, where that case is. I know there was just some arguments heard about a couple, two or three weeks ago. You're right, Jerry. This was um, before the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, It was two consolidated cases, um, again, dealing with uh, Catholic Benefits Association, Religious Sisters of Mercy, saying we are able and interested in serving people regardless of what they claim to be their gender identity, but we're not going to use our our medical um, capacities to perform things that we think are harmful and are at odds with our beliefs. Um, It's kind of like the Little Sisters of the Poor 2.0. They're... um, the Sisters of Mercy are represented by Beckett Law, which happens to be, you know, one of the most successful religious liberty law firms um, out there today. And we're waiting on a decision from the Court of Appeals to say, um, can the administration force these entities to provide these procedures or these um, firm, uh, gender-affirming drugs or um, even cover them in their insurance against their religious beliefs um, in violation of, of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act or the First Amendment. I think that the Court of Appeals will stand for religious freedom. There's no doubt that the Biden administration will appeal that to the Supreme Court. 
And again, as I mentioned before, the Supreme Court has been very pro-religious freedom. So I think we'll see a victory if this case goes to the, the nation's highest court. Mm. From your lips to God's ears, may it be so, Andrea. <laughs> Um, moving a little bit, uh, you know, uh, to the north and east of St. Louis, Philadelphia, the Archdiocese of Philadelphia has got some uh, religious liberty issues that they're contending with there as well. Why don't you uh, update us on that? Well, this is a great victory if we're dealing with Philadelphia's, uh, the Archdiocese foster care program. As we know, this past summer, it was a unanimous Supreme Court victory for the foster care placement program run by the Archdiocese. The Supreme Court looked at the unfairness that the city had in granting exemptions from its very broad anti-discrimination policy for some, but not for the church-run program, um, because the church refused to certify same-sex married couples as foster care um, parents. Now, the city has since entered into a settlement agreement. I want to just give another shout-out to Beckett because they represented the church and um, longtime foster care parents that have been uh, working in Philadelphia with the agency. But the Supreme Court didn't reach a critical precedential issue, and that was whether the court should overturn a 1990 decision, basically saying if there's a general, generally applicable neutral anti-discrimination law, it doesn't matter if it affects religious exercise, and that's the Smith decision. We have a new opportunity to revisit that issue in a case out of Colorado, a Christian wedding website designer named Lori Smith, curiously with the same last name, uh, was told that she had to um, provide wedding websites for same-sex couples that were planning to get married. She said she couldn't do that. It was inconsistent with her beliefs of traditional marriage, the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals said, no, you have to. And that issue is now being presented to the Supreme Court, asking the court to step in, protect Lori Smith's First Amendment rights, both her freedom of speech and freedom of religion rights. Um, hopefully the court will decide to take it. They're going to look at the issue on Friday, um, whether to review the case or not. And I'm hoping that they step in and side for, for Ms. Smith's um, religious freedom and her speech rights. Yeah, it, it always seems kind of curious that, um, you know, be, people who want, say, like you said, a same-sex, uh, you know, wedding website or in the case of the, the, the baker, I believe it was in, was it Colorado or wherever, the, the cake maker, um, you know, there's there's a lot of other people who do those services. You know, it seems like uh, individuals and, and, and groups of people like this could go just down the street and get the same services from somebody. Is, is it, is it, do you think it's a case sometimes they're they're trying to pick a fight over issues like this? Well, there definitely is. And and the case of Ms. Smith, she was seeking kind of clarification from the court that she didn't have to perform these services. Curiously enough, um, when she got married, she got a wedding cake made from Jack Phillips, that Colorado baker. He, The story that he's gone through of constantly being hounded by people, asking him to use his creative talents against his beliefs. And I think this should bring us back to a core issue. When it comes to civil rights, it isn't an either or. There's a way to accommodate objections, religious-based objections. And we know that when we do that, we're being consistent with our great tradition of religious freedom. And we're also allowing people to continue to contribute, whether it's to the public square 
in the case of foster care or just to the economy, whether in, in the case of Jack Phillips making wonderful cakes for people that were seeking his services. So there, it isn't, um, we don't have to push people to work against their beliefs. And when we allow them to, to do things consistent with their beliefs, everyone wins. Yeah. Well, um, Andrea, we have literally about uh, 60 seconds, but I wanted to ask you about uh, something, go, a debate going on in Texas, whether chaplains uh, are, are, could, should be allowed in the execution chamber. Um, what, what's, what's the situation with that case? So this is a very interesting case, um, a death row inmate that has had an execution uh, date scheduled. He wanted clergy comfort, and in a very unique way, he wanted his pastor to lay hands on him and speak out loud, prayers out loud, um, in the execution chamber at the time of death. This is a tough case, and the Supreme Court did the extraordinary um, step to request full briefing and hold oral arguments on the matter because they're balancing these important interests of kind of making sure that you don't have a botched execution because of distractions or inadvertent mishaps that go on, um, and at the same time allowing for religious freedom. Now, the gentleman is allowed the clergy um, leading up to the moment, and his, his pastor was going to be allowed in the chamber itself, but not putting his hands on and not mm. speaking out loud. So we'll see what happens with the court on there, but I do think, again, it's, it's a very interesting, complicated case and probably will be decided by in the next couple of weeks. Well, Andrea, you did a great job batting cleanup today. Thank you so much for being with us here on Crest in the <laughs> Afternoon. We appreciate it. God bless. Well, thank you, Jerry, so much. Have a good evening. You too.